I just want to say about this this group, this uh, gathering, that you know we're in a building project with the church, and uh, what Pastor Justin was talking about this morning about the the word, you know, getting on on the inside and producing, and when that happens, you you begin to uh, implement Christian print or kingdom principles that uh, we're governed by or that govern the kingdom of heaven. And my point is, is that it only takes one person uh, that, that does, you know, the word and is blessed that can pay for the whole project of the church. It only takes one. And so if you're Response or your attitude or your heart motive is, Lord, let that be me. Well, God can really take somebody like that that has a, a heart for the kingdom of God and, and building the kingdom of God and do something with them that's really special. And so uh, I never want to discount that. I, I mean, we, we usually have pretty good uh, showing in here. and um, But even if it was just one person or three people that came and one of those three got it, and that accomplished something that we were trying to do for the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. So, uh, Wade, I've known Wade for, gosh, let's see, since we were what? 20, huh? Probably 25, over 25 years. Now, we, we lost, uh, we moved, we, were, we knew them in Alabama. And we moved to Michigan, so because of the distance, but... His mom and dad were our Sunday school teachers when we first got married. And um, they taught us, or they would take us and taught us uh, prosperity principles in the Word. And that's where I first got introduced to Kenneth Copeland and Jerry Savelle, is through his mom and dad. And so his dad uh, was a, is, was and is, a successful businessman, but also just served in the church, you know, um, and he's had multiple businesses, but they kind of took us under their wing and mentored us. uh, And that was huge for us. And before, you know, we moved up to Michigan and then, of course, Nikki's dad um, continued from there. But after we moved to Michigan, it wasn't long from that that uh, Wade... Um, got involved with wanting to start a business and uh, how he started was he went to work, he wanted to start a moving company, he went to work for a moving company to understand the business and things like that and long story short they ended up moving to, after some time, moved to Austin, Texas and started a moving company and um, started out with two trucks and three people and they called it Square Cow Movers. If you've seen Chick-fil-A with the Spotted Cows, that's, that's their trucks uh, going around Austin. It's, it's like a, uh, a Square Cow, Spotted Cow. So uh, they did that. And now they have 65 trucks and over 300 staff. They, uh, they just got the franchising rights for 37 states. So God's really blessed them. But they started with with nothing from you know uh, from nothing and they and and I know him uh, and I know that they're givers and I know they that they've 
implemented the principles of the kingdom to get to where they've gotten. And uh, he's also on the board of directors for the college, and, and he's he served on board of directors for Yelp and different various things, and, and speaks at, uh, for the Better Business Bureau, speaks at business luncheons like this all the time. So would you please give a Heritage of Faith welcome to Wade Lombard. Good afternoon. Uh, I, I enjoy church today. There's obviously a few things that are working here. Um, anointed preaching, amazing worship, and the air conditioning. It is freezing over there. I am just now thawing out. Does anybody else feel that way? They have taken, talk about going to another level. The AC is at another level. Next door, it's cold. That's, well, I was awake for sure. Okay, here's what I've realized I've gotten hoodwinked into coming to do today. Eric, we, we went and played golf in Austin a few months ago, and Eric kind of slides in. We have this kingdom builders about business, and, you know, people come talk. And I'm, like, trying to be an inquisitive friend. I'm like, oh, really? Tell me more. And then by the time we got done playing golf, I had agreed to come be with you guys. He's like, it's going to be great. We're going to give them a lot of carbs. They're going to carb load right after lunch, and then you get to entertain them for an hour or so. So I'm glad to be here. Okay, so I've got, I'm a slide happy guy. I got lots of slides, lots of thoughts. Here's what I want you to know before we jump in. First, the first part of this is going to be practical, okay? How do we build our business? How did that go? These are our thoughts. If it doesn't apply to you, that's okay. I do think it'll apply to everybody, though. I don't think this is specific to us. It's very simple stuff. What, what was it? Don't be complicated. It's not, it's not complicated. That's today. I'm going to keep going with that. All right. The second thing is, the, the last part I'm going to share with you guys is about building the kingdom. Okay? So build your business, build the kingdom. That's two things I want to hit today. All right? Let's talk a little bit, just a little bit about me um, real quick. Next slide here. Uh, yeah. So we started a company called Square Cow. I'll get into that in a second. Keep rolling here. That's me. Underneath my name, it says trans, transformational leader. Okay. The reason I put that, y'all know what LinkedIn is? Y'all, I was on LinkedIn a couple weeks ago and a buddy of mine was on there and I see his profile and he wrote in transformational leader. You just, you get to fill out whatever you want. And he just put that in there. I'm like, well, I'm going to put that in there. What are you going to do? There's nothing. I made the slide. There's nothing you can do to change it. So now, I know, I did say I stole it from LinkedIn. Uh, Okay, so, and then we took these, we took these headshots at our our meeting a couple of years ago. And then I realized, I realized, you know who this reminds me of? Next slide. Steve Jobs. I've got the exact outfit on that Steve Jobs, but I'm nothing like Steve Jobs. Okay, next slide is... Um, I think, did you go one too many or is that the next one? Okay. So Square Cal, we started in 2008. I, I also invested into a company called Carpet Now about four years ago. This company's been amazing. One of the biggest blessings I've ever had in my life is this, this company called Carpet Now. And my friend and I started this company. We sell and install carpet and now we're in Austin, Dallas, and San Antonio, and so most of what I'm going to talk to you guys about today was about Square Cow. I'll just to give you some ideas about some other things I do. So the next company that I helped to found was a company called Lumentum Creative Strategy. 
And so this was a couple of guys that were in ministry that I really believed in. They had done the marketing for me on every company I've been involved in since 2008. And they wanted to break out on their own. And I said, hey, I want to be a part of that. And so there's a marketing company. So I'm in about three or four different businesses. That, and this is what I enjoy. The next one is I'm in a commercial landscaping business called Maven Landscapes. It's just in Austin in a little town outside of uh, Houston called Belleville. Okay, here's the kind of the picture I want to paint to you guys today about my resume is um, I really like small business. And I had somebody challenge me one time, like, wait, why small? Like, why are you thinking small? And I'll be honest, like, that's what I feel called to. I don't, I, I honestly don't feel called to a hundred million dollar business. It's not that I don't want these to be that. I don't, I just don't feel like God's programmed me that way. I'm, I'm good at juggling three or four of these little businesses and they're all doing great. They're all uh, making money. And I believe they're all going to continue to grow. This is what the God, God's given me the gift to do. And I'm enjoying doing it. And so when I say small business, I don't say it like think it's small. I think this is what God has me doing. And I really love it. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. Um, so, okay, a little bit more about me. Let's keep rolling here. Okay, this is my wife, Kimberly. Um, we were on a trip. Apparently, I had a mullet at the time. So I call her the boss. She's five feet tall, and we met the first day of college, got married four years later. We just had our 20th year anniversary this year. So, yep, mm -hmm. thank you. So we did, we went overseas to celebrate. We went to Italy. You know, everybody's like, this is the most amazing place. You got it. They're right. It was amazing. I want to go back really bad. Okay, next picture. I think we have a picture of my children. Okay, I have three kids. They're in eighth, ninth, and 10th grade. Jax is my oldest. He just played in the Macy's Day Parade, the clarinet with the marching band. So we were just in New York. Uh, he's in the middle. Lawson, Law Dog, is on the left. Loves sports. Boy is obsessed with sports. Plays them all. Loves them all. He's kind of like the BC player, you know what I mean? But he really loves it. The team is his. Okay. And then Harley is over to the right. She's still in middle school. So I'll have three in high school next year. I'll have three in college at the same time. So we're going to send a basket around here in a few minutes. We're going to, yeah, we're receiving an offering. Okay. Um, all right. So stay there for just a second. So I want to talk about where I'm from. I'm from Alabama, as uh, Eric mentioned. And so I want you to think about every stereotype you've ever heard about people from Alabama. They're all true. Every one of them is true. Okay, I'm going to give you an example. Um, found out about my cousin Brad a few years ago. This was the story that came out of Alabama about my cousin Brad. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, well, there's a whole story there too. But so the story that came out about my cousin Brad, Brad and Brock, they're, they're brothers, so the story was, is Brad got caught growing marijuana underneath his trailer. Okay, that was the story that I got, the update we got. But that's not how information gets to us, right? So here's how it came, okay? So Brad's mom, my Aunt Sissy, told my Aunt Cherry Dale, who told my mom Donna, who told me that Brad got caught growing marijuana underneath his trailer. So that's Alabama for you right there. So the next slide, I want to show hands. How many people here have an Aunt Cherry Dale? Aunt Cherry Dale. So the story behind that is my, my people, again, spent a lot of time with people and Meemaw in their trailer. And I loved it. It was great. That was the best upbringing. And he opened the phone book and it was C over here and D over here. Cherry Dale. That's how he named it right there. So praise Jesus. Okay. Um, 
All right, we're going to keep rolling. What's next? What's next? Okay, now we're going to talk about football right here. I just want to remind you guys, the greatest of all time, Nick Saban, okay? I'm from Alabama. I would drink his bath water. I love him, okay? I love the guy. I'm just telling you, he's he's the best. This is how, I'm trying to give you all a glimpse of Alabama, okay? The only thing that matters in Alabama is Jesus and college football, okay? And between that service over here and this service, I found out we did not end up in the college football playoff from in between services. And that's my whole family. There's 38 texts. They're all at church. Can you believe we did not get in the college football playoff? Four get in. We're fifth. Okay. So anyway, so love Nick Saban uh, so much. Okay. We're going to keep rolling. We're going to keep rolling. What do we got? Okay. First, we're going to build a business. Then we're going to talk about building a kingdom. Now, I want, to, I want to make sure you guys understand this. I'm not telling you that those are sequential. You don't first build your business, then build the kingdom. I'm just going to go over how we built our business, and then I'm going to go over how I believe God's taught us to build the kingdom. But those happen at the same time. I don't want you guys to lose sight on that. It's an important, really important part. Roll forward, please. I think I'm going to talk about, all right, keep going. Sorry. I'm going to talk about um, a little bit about us. We have seven branches. We, we're in Houston, Dallas, Denver, San Antonio, and Austin. And we have seven branches across those four markets. Um, we're actually, in this winter, we kind of scale down. We're about 225 employees. We do about 13,000 moves a year. Um, a reminder, I work with family. So I started this with my dad and my brother-in-law. Anybody else in the room work with family? Anybody else work with family? Okay. Prayer for them as well, because I can tell you right now, this is frustrating. Working with your family is frustrating. Let me give you two examples. My dad, he's getting to that age, you know, where technology is, it's not working for him. He's not. So we'll be in a meeting, all right? And his phone will start ringing. And first of all, I haven't had my, 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 ring, my ringer on for like eight years, okay? Not only does he have it on, he has it on like leaf blower mode. You know what I mean? Like he could hear it if he was doing lawn work. And then he pulls it out and he just looks at it like he doesn't know how to turn it off. Every button turns it off. Every single button. We'll be in the middle of a meeting and da 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 He'll have the ESPN thing. We're trying to get work done. And he's getting updates from ESPN. Okay, my, my brother-in-law is my other business partner. He is the... Y'all, he's the nicest human being who's ever lived. Do you know how frustrating it is working with the nicest human being ever? Like, our end of our first year in business, his name's Derek. I go to him and I'm like, Derek, I'm, I'm always the jerk. You're never the jerk. You've, I, I need some help here. From now on, you're the jerk. He's like, no problem. I said, you're failing already. You know what I mean? <laughs> already failing. Already failing. Um, so that's it. Or what else do we got here? We're going to keep rolling. Okay. So I want to show you this graph. We started in 08 with just two trucks. And me and Derek were on the, on the truck every day for about three years. We're on a truck continuously for five. For five years moving furniture. I'll have one story. Our first year, we were moving this piece of furniture um, at this apartment. And as we're moving it out, we're heading toward the stairs. This, this neighboring door opens. Lady's kind of getting ready to go to work. And we're not, she can't get by us. And as she finally scoops past it, she goes, I bet it's about now you wish you would have gone to college. Well, the only bad part about that is we did go to college, right? I mean, and studied business, you know? Um, and so it was, it was really rough. That first, that 08, how many know 08 was the best year to start a business, right? Yeah, great, okay. 
Um, so, and then, and then they won't let you do the graph any further than 2017, or that many bars. So we had about 60 trucks in 2017. All right, we're going to keep rolling. We built a 40,000 square foot warehouse in Austin, Texas in 2016. And here's the deal, guys. You drive by that, you know what you see? A big concrete box. You know what we see? A tangible example of God's favor. I mean, we, I don't drive up to our warehouse and think, oh, look, here's a big warehouse. I think God's anointing and favor built this. This is our, this, this is something God gave us. And, and I don't even know how this thing, how this happened. That's how we look at it. All right, next, uh, next slide. Okay, I want to go over four myths of small business. Four myths of small business that I think too many people buy into. Let's roll to the first. The first myth of small business is the myth of easy. The myth, it's going to be easy. Okay, where's our, keep going here. All right. It's really, it's really hard. I don't know any other, any other way to say it. I, I don't think I could do it again. I don't know how we did it. I lost 40 pounds my first summer moving furniture. The physicality of the work alone. Starting something is really, really difficult. It's really hard. I remember um, my business partner, Derek, I was telling you about, he sweats a lot. I call him the Patrick Ewing of moving, you know, because he sweats all the time. We would go to a job. We'd be there for like an hour, and I would just have like a little ring around my neck. He would look like somebody dipped him in a pool, you know? The customer would be like, well, it looks like he's doing all the work. And I would say, I'm sorry I don't have a medical condition. You know what I mean? Like, we would finish moves at 11 o'clock at night in Houston, and we'd drive back to Austin. We'd get in bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. We'd get back up at 6 o'clock the next day and start all over. And this wasn't like a, it wasn't like a rough weekend or a hard summer. It was years. This, this is hard. You want to grow something? It's, it's tough. This is really, really hard. I had no plan B. There was no, we're either going to do this or we're going to die trying. And we almost died trying, you know. We would move furniture well into the night, night after night after night. Because we didn't know how to say no. If somebody called, they're like, well, we have 12 or let's say we have three trucks and we have three trucks of moves and somebody called for a fourth. We'll say, we'll get there as soon as we can. We'll finish a move and we'll start yours as soon as it's over. And that's how we did it for years. It's tough. It's hard. That's the myth of easy first part. All right, keep going. I show this graph again because I want you guys to understand something. And what I'm going to say is going to sound like hyperbole, but it's not. Going from zero to six trucks was harder than going from six to 60. Going zero to six was excruciatingly harder than going from six to 60. Starting something new is not easy. You want that flywheel to start going, right? You want it to move on its own. Well, at first, you're pushing with all your might. Before it ever starts going on its own, you're pushing with everything you've got. Next slide, please. This is something, I studied business for four years in college, and my professor never said, probably because only an idiot doesn't know this, but for some reason, I always feel like I need to say it. The phone will ring or we will die. Here's the point. I don't care if you're the hardest working person in the room. I don't care if you're the smartest. If you can't make that phone ring or you can't make people walk through the doors of your business, you will go out of business and it'll go like that. You will be broke immediately. 
So working hard matters, being smart matters, but making the phone ring and driving the business in is the first step. And if you can't do that, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. So you got to do it. Next slide. The biz is my baby. I didn't see this coming. This is a... (laughs) This is a baseball team that me and Derek, my brother-in-law, my business partner, we coached for one year. We sponsored it. You know, we both coached. We lost every game. We did not win one game. There was one kid that didn't hit the ball all year. Batting practice, I think statistically that's harder. And it was my nephew, it was my nephew Gray. So I go to my sister and I'm like, Gray has not hit the ball all season. Not even close. I don't, I said, but I figured it out. I said, it's his eyes. She's like, that's it. Took him to the eye doctor. Perfect vision. He just stinks at baseball. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. He's just is really bad. Okay. So here is the point about this is my baby. Here's what I didn't expect. Okay. My emotions ran with my business. My emotions was just like if we were doing well one day, I was up. And if we didn't have any business, I was down. You know, the only thing that mirrors that, my children. Lawson, our little athlete, he's a little quarterback, you know, and he'll throw a pass and I'll be like, that's my DNA. You know what I mean? Like little Tom Brady. The next day he'll do something so stupid. I'll say, I'll sell you on eBay. You know, like I will get rid of you and nobody will know. One day you think I'm dad of the year. The next day you're, I, I don't, I, if we never meet again, my child, I'm cool. That's how business is. One day you're like, I'm Steve Jobs. I look just like him. More than say of my outfit. The next day, you're like, I hate this place. I hate everything about it. I hate every person. I hate every truck. It's like having a child. It's my fourth child, this business. Next slide. Boldness isn't optional. We were in business for a few weeks. I remember this. We went to Chick-fil-A, Kimberly and I, with our kids. Probably the most expensive meal we ate that month. Kimberly's from the deep south, so she'll talk to anybody. So she starts talking up this rando guy. You know, she's like, oh my God, we got these kids are running all over the place. Oh my goodness, we're from Alabama. This guy's just trying to eat his chicken nuggies. And I'm sitting there, and I just started a business, and I've got business cards in my pocket. And I've got, you know, the cartoon where you have the angel on one side and the devil on the next. And I've got the angel on one side saying, you have to be willing to give your business card to everybody. And the devil's like, you are a psycho. You're going to hand this random person your business card. You're going to be awkward. You are awkward. And then the angel's like, you got to do it. The devil's like, you better not, blah, blah, blah. So finally, I take out my card. I'm like, you're probably never going to move. Like, who? why would you move? But if you did, like, maybe you could call me. Like, I'd be, it'd be fine if you did, whatever. And I hand him my card. Gary Simmons is his name. He moved five times in the next two years. Why is he moving so much? <laughs> you know, I don't care because check's cleared. That's all I know. Okay. You have to be bold. You have to, you don't have a choice. This is not optional. Like you don't have it. If you're going to be in business, you're going to be a sales person. You're going to be successful. You got to get outside your comfort zone. It's not fun. You got to be the weirdo. That's like, okay, here you go. Here you go. Okay. Next slide. 
this is a saying that I've been saying my kids are like, uh, enough. So when we were uh, maybe two years in, we were moving a chiropractor, okay? So I'm like, okay, well, I'm moving the guy. I'm going to get some free advice. I'm like, hey, Mr. Chiropractor, how should we be lifting things? What should be the technique? And he said this, chin up, chest up. If your chin up and your chest is up as you're lifting, your back's in the right position. I have turned this saying into how we look at and overcome everything in our business and everything in our life. And so when my kid gets cut from the soccer team, which Harley did, she hadn't played since she was like four. And then all of a sudden she's like, I'm going to play middle school soccer. I'm like, go for it. I'm not going to make this team. But okay. And she didn't. And she comes home and she's like, I didn't make it. I'm like, chin up, chest up. Lawson, he likes to speak like some of what I do, but he, I mean, he's probably going to preach the word. It's like, Dad, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I'm supposed to go into FCA tomorrow, and I'm only a freshman. There's seniors there. Hey, chin up, chest up. Let me tell you how this family approaches things. Chin up, chest up. Bet you, I bet you wish now you would have gone to college, right? Chin up, chest up. People are going to say things. People are going to do things. People don't want to see you grow. Chin up, chest up. The same way you pick up a piece of furniture, that's how you pick up a problem. That's how you pick up a a new employee, a new contract. Chin up, chest up. Okay, next. Second myth of small business. What was the first one? The myth of easy. The second myth is the myth of over-communication. Next slide. I don't think, actually, let's back up. We'll go over that real quick. The myth of overcommunication. Here's my deal with overcommunication. It doesn't exist. Overcommunication doesn't exist. I've never had a client come to me and say, I am so mad because you gave me too much information. They don't say that. You know what they say? They say, hey, if you're going to be late, why don't you just call me? Hey, hey, hey if, you, if, you, if you don't take American Express, I, I, that's cool. I would have I planned for it, but you just, why don't you let me know? When we first got started our business, we would tell our clients, we'd book them over the phone. We said, we're going to leave the lot at 8 a.m. We'll head straight to you. You know what the client heard? That we were going to be at their house at 8 a.m. Because people hear what they want to hear. So we started building it into our script. We leave at 8 a.m. We're going to head straight to you. We said about three times on the phone. And then we would hang up with them. We'd send them a confirmation email that said it again. And then we'd call them the day before the move for a confirmation call and tell them again. In the day of the move at 8 a.m., when the guys got in the truck, they were ordered to call the clients. They were heading your way. And we're just now, at that point, starting to scratch the surface of communication. Over-communication is non-existent. People have to be told, uh, Patrick Lencioni, one of my favorite business authors, he said, your chief, chief chief reminder officer, that's your job is to remind the chief reminder officer. Next slide. This is the shirt that everybody wears that works for my company. It says, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no problem, my pleasure. Call us old-fashioned. How do we communicate? The myth of our communication, how do we communicate? That's how. I'm from Alabama. This is how we talk to people. So wait, where does that start? It starts at the top. My dad says something to me. Yes, sir. The warehouse manager comes in. Hey, Wade, do you know about this? Yes, sir. Everybody gets the same treatment. Yes, ma'am. And here's those bottom two. 
It's less about being polite and just being energetic about how you can help somebody. No problem. That's my pleasure. Did we steal that from Chick-fil-A? Yes, we did. Yes, we're just getting started on the things I've stolen from other companies. Our guys didn't get it at first. We put them on posters, put it up where they would we'd dispatch them. They could not get it. We tell them about, hey, you'd say yes, sir, blah, blah. So we put it on the back of their shirts. I'm like, if you can't follow a guy in and out of a house all day and still not get it. A buddy of mine ran into one of our crews at a gas station a couple of years ago. My buddy's name is Matt Schaefer. My, the crew didn't know that Matt was my friend. So Matt approaches one of our guys and says, hey, you guys really show, say what's on the back of those shirts? My guy said, yes, sir. I'm give him a raise. <laughs> I don't know who it was. But um, next slide. Just ask. Here's something that we realized early on. You got to ask for what you want. We get to the end of a move and we knew the client was happy. We'd say, hey, it's not a big deal, but we built this business because people tell people, would you, would you mind passing her name on? client would say, you know what, Miss Johnson, I, I go to church with her. I'm going to tell her on Sunday. You know what? I, I sit by Carol, cubicle next to me at work. She's moving. I'm going to let her know. Had we not triggered? Here's what we know. People want to help you. They don't know how to help you. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, wait, would you mind writing me a Yelp review? I'm like, I'll do it right now. I don't care. I'll do it. I want to help you out. Up to that moment, I didn't know what they needed. People want to help you in your next endeavor. You got to tell them, hey, I need help with this. And be specific. I'll t- we will tell people, hey, would you mind leaving us a review on Google? Specifically the one in South Austin. That's the one that needs the most help right now. I'll send you the link. People, everybody's like, sure, happy to do it. Up to that moment, they didn't know how to help me. Once I told them how to help me, guess what they wanted to do? Help me. You just got to ask. It's a trigger. People want to help you. Help them help you. Next slide. No one notices a clean dashboard. The bottom of that is a part of the software that shouldn't be there. So ignore it. Somebody's writing that note down. They're like, click to add more text here. I'm like, mm, underline that. Here's the point. I am very persnickety about the dashboard. My guys know it. Here's what I know. When I pass my competitors down the road, I see all kind of stuff on the dashboard. I see clipboards and sweatshirts and one company had toilet paper. I'm like, oh. You know what nobody notices? A clean dashboard. I don't want them to notice our dashboard. I want them to notice the side of my truck. If all I can see is the dashboard because it's so messy when they drive by me, I'm not looking at the brand. Clean dashboard matters. Clean dashboard matters. Next slide, please. Words of affirmation. Saying no should be painful. We teach this to our, uh, our call center. We have one call center that takes all the calls for all seven branches. We, we get this kind of stuff all the time. 
people call us and you're like, hey, I have a wine cellar with about 2,000 bottles of wine and can y'all move it? We're like, you know what? We're legally not able to, but let me tell you what we can do. We will box all of it for you. We'll take it to your SUV and we'll get it out of your SUV. We just can't put it in our truck. That's a different way of saying no, isn't it? Our competitors, no, we don't move alcohol. We say, let me give you, a, let me just give you an example of something we can do because we can't put it in our truck. I'm gonna tell you what we can do. We'll box every bit of it and we'll get it moved for you. We just can't put it in our truck. Is that okay? Words of affirmation. Our call center. I want to hear him say. Somebody said, "Do y'all move pool, pool tables?" Absolutely, we do. First time we moved a pool table, I told somebody, "I'm like, yeah, we move pool tables." I went back to Google. I'm like, "How do you move a pool table?" It was a disaster. Somebody asked us if we could do something. I want to hear, yes, man, absolutely. We love moving pianos because here's the deal. Here's what we say. If things weren't heavy and there weren't stairs, we'd be out of business. Things weren't heavy or there weren't stairs, we'd be out of business. We'd love to do that. Absolutely. Count us in. Next slide. You're not required to love your client, but you'll do a better job if you do. And sometimes this right here takes a little mind trick. You kind of have to fake it till you make it sometimes. But here's the case. If you can, if you can find your way to have deep affection for the person that, that you're working for, like truly, like this client, you know what, I'm going to choose to love them. You will enjoy your job more. You will do a better job for that person. They will feel cared for. You will make more money. And I say it's a mind trick because sometimes you have to fake it before it becomes real. And that's okay. It's okay. Fake it for a little while. And I guarantee you, after a little while, you're like, you know what? Actually, I do care about Miss Smith. It was weird. Because I didn't before, and now I do. Next slide, please. What are we selling? I think companies miss this all the time. What are you selling? You call my business. Nobody ever calls my business and be like, you know what? <laughs> I thought I was ordering a pizza, but now that I got you on the phone, I'm going to go ahead and move. Nobody ever like stumbles upon our website and be like, I was not trying to get to squarecowmovers.com, but now that I'm here, I'm going to go ahead and book a move. By the time they call us and by the time they go to the website, they know they need to move. Stop selling moving services. That's not what we're selling. They know when they call what we do. You sell them that they can trust us. I'm sending my guys into your living room. I want you to know you can trust those guys. They already know what they're buying is moving services. I don't have to sell them on that. I have to sell them the fact that I'm going to send guys into their living room that they would invite to Christmas dinner. Literally, the words we use. Know what you're selling. Be intentional about it. And don't make it obvious. If you sell insurance, you're, you're selling lower risk and more stability. Know what you're selling. It's not always the most obvious thing. Next slide. The third myth is the myth of arriving. The myth of I've arrived. Next slide, please. Urgency is required. I went to a... Um, leadership conference a few years ago got him Craig Rochelle was speaking you guys ever catch up with old Craig he's pretty intense 
he did a whole session on urgency. This idea of doing things with urgency. I loved it. Here's what he said. He said, your biggest threat to future success is current success because we're wired for complacency, not urgency. That means if you're successful now, you're hardwired to be comfortable and be unsuccessful later. So as leaders, your job as leaders is to be a disruptor, to create urgency. I don't care if the phone hasn't rung all day. When it does, I expect you to pick it up on the first ring. I do not care what you're doing. Wade, why does it matter? Because we do things with urgency here. When we adopted this word, we said we're going to do this from the top down. We're not going to just move furniture with urgency. We're going to pay bills with urgency. We have a 30-day net. I'm going to go ahead and pay it now. we got the money. We're going to, we are going to move furniture. We're going to be logistically smart. We're going to make sure we're sending our trucks in the way that makes the most sense. We do things with urgency. We are going to move furniture with urgency. We're going to do everything with urgency. Leaders create disruption, especially when you're successful. When you're successful, that's when it's most important. You're like, we've had our best year ever. You better be a disruptor that next year. You better come into the office and say, hey, hey, we're not getting on our heels. As leaders, that's your job, period. Your job is to keep people in this area of disruption and urgency because they're wired to be comfortable. And we are more comfortable as a society than ever before. Next slide, please. This whole idea of myth of arriving, you've never arrived. We have a conference every year. Every February, we have our conference. We bring all of our managers in, all of our directors, owners. We fly in a guest speaker, and we cast vision for the year at our conference every year. Our first conference. I always tried to make it like bigger than it was. I wanted to make them feel like they were at a, like a like a big conference, you know. So I get lanyards made, and I go in to get them made at a print shop. I'm like, I need some lanyards for a conference. He's like, okay, he's doing the order. He's like, all right, how many? I'm like, six. He's like sixty. Just 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 six of them. <laughs> because I I wanted to project to my guys that hey, we're heading somewhere big. They came in, I gave them a lanyard, we had a guest speaker, I gave that guy an honorarium, had snacks all over. We couldn't afford any of this stuff, by the way. I borrowed a conference room from a friend of mine. But I'm like, this is where we're going. This is where we're heading. And here's the requirement. One of the requirements we had, every single person that shows up to the conference has to bring a million dollar idea. Because here's the deal, myth of arriving. If you're waiting on me, the owner, to figure everything out, we're going to be in trouble. I need every one of you guys to bring an idea here. We have heard the craziest things you could ever imagine, and we've heard the most brilliant things you could ever imagine. Brilliance. Because we said, you will bring a million-dollar idea with you. And most of them we never did, but some of them are still being done today. If you're waiting on me to say, I've arrived, we figured this thing out, we got this thing licked, It's a myth. You've never arrived. You've never figured it out. You need to stay in that place of, man, I'm just here to learn. I'm trying to figure this out. 
wait, you're telling me your assistant um, warehouse manager um, is going to bring a million dollar idea. I hope so. I hope it's amazing. And I hope we implement it the next day. Next slide, please. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're doing. Y'all, I was sitting with some friends of mine, two other guys, two very successful guys, two of the most successful guys I know. We're, we're sitting, hanging out a few months ago. Um, the kids, we were pickleball courts or something, and we're sitting there, we're hanging out. And I just had this, like, confession. I go, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, half the time when I go into a meeting and stuff, I don't know what I'm doing. And this other guy who's a developer goes, I never know what I'm doing. And this other guy that sells medical supplies, he goes, dude, I don't know what I'm doing either. We realized all three of us, like, nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. I'm going to say that again. Nobody knows what they're doing. You're going to walk in a meeting and you're going to see somebody super successful. And you're like, well, he has it all together. He, before he went in that meeting, he's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I know Eric looks like he has it all together. He has no idea <laughs> what he's doing. I'm more confident about that last one than most of the rest of them. <laughs> Guys, we haven't arrived. We haven't arrived. We don't know. These guys are both killing it. And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing either. I'm like, what? Next slide. Goals posted big and bold. If I called my manager at the Katy branch, just outside of Houston right now, and I said, hey, where's your damage uh, percentage right now? 1.96% right now, sir. Called the guy in the woodlands. Hey, where is your labor percentage right now? We're at 27.2% right now, sir. My guys know what the goal is. Because their compensation is tied to it. That's a big reason. What are you going to do in sales uh, last month? Who, to the penny, he'll tell me. They know it. They go over it. There's a scorecard. We walk through it every Monday at 1 o'clock. Everybody knows. It's posted. You're not doing too well guess what? I'm putting you right next to everybody that is doing well. I don't have to say that much. I'm going to put it up there. I'm going to post it and then let you deal with it. This is just how it works. Square cow. My guys know, and you know what? It drives those guys. They're motivated. Put it up there. Bold and get it out. It will take the level of accountability that you have to personally provide down by about half. They put it on themselves. They know Monday's coming and I'm going to have to post this stupid number because we rolled a TV down our driveway again. Happens all the time. Okay, next slide. Okay, when in doubt, that says when in doubt up there at the top. When in doubt market. Here's the point. Here's what we realized. If you ever especially if you're running your own business, if you're in sales, if you ever like sit down at your desk, which by the way, if you're in sales or you run your own business, the the desk is a magnet for nothingness. And here's the point of this slide. At that moment, you ever get that, usually it's early in the week and it's like mid morning. You get that feeling in your stomach. You're like, I don't really know what to do next, but we should be higher in sales or whatever than we are right now. Literally stand up and leave and go market like leave go do whatever you got to do knock on doors set up lunches go get coffee 
the desk will suck you in to a bunch of stuff that doesn't move the needle. Stand up, walk out, start marketing. We would, I would put bundles of um, business cards, about 10, and I put a rubber band, and I put 10 of those bundles in the, in the passenger seat. And I would drive to retirement homes, apartment buildings, storage facilities, and I'd say, I wouldn't say I'm going to go, I would say I'm not going back to the office or I'm not going home until this seat is empty. Because if I don't mentally prepare, I'll get to the second one. They're like, we don't want any of your cards. I'm like, I don't know why you would anyway. Stupid. You know, I'd walk out. I'd be like, I'm going home. Or, you know, I'd get down. Instead, I'd get back in that car and I'd look at that. And I'm like, I'm not going home until this is empty. I will stay here and I will keep giving these out no matter what. And once this chair is empty, I'll go back to the office. Stand up and go market. Every time. Do y'all know the feeling in your stomach I'm talking about? You're like, man, I gotta, I gotta do something to drive more business. And you're just sitting there, stand up, walk out, go drive more business. Do something crazy. Throw something at a wall, see what sticks. Next, next slide. You gotta grow rhino skin. Learn this one the hard way. We send a survey out to every client the day after the move. Ten questions. First question might be, were our guys on time for the move? A one is a cow patty. A five is a cowbell. All of them are tabulated. Guess what? There's two types of people that, give, that leave surveys. The ones that love you. And the ones who really, really don't. <laughs> I don't have to send that survey. We, we're in control of that. My guys are tied. Their compensation is tied to those scores. Roughest part of the week is reading surveys. Y'all ran over my mailbox. I mean, like, probably did. It's the best information we can get is those surveys. And you got to grow rhino skin. You read some Yelp reviews, some Google reviews. You hear from the sister of that neighbor that moved, and she's like, she had a horrible experience. You're like, tell me more. You got to grow rhino skin. You want to be better? Take, you have to be thick-skinned to be better. You got to grow rhino skin. Next. I've been thinking a lot about this. We lost our mom, my mom last September. Um, I've been thinking a lot about her and kind of the legacy she left. And one of the things she said growing up that I hated, you know, but I love now. How many of you guys remember this? You say to your parents, hey, everybody's going out to Johnny's house at the lake all weekend long. And your mom's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You'd be like, well, I was just wondering, like, maybe it's not a big deal, but like, maybe I could go. And she's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I am so glad Johnny's mom and dad let them go out to that lake. But in this family, we're at church on Sunday morning, right? Anybody remember that? I use that in my business. I know the last place you worked, they didn't care if your shirt tail was tucked in or not. But in this family, we tuck our shirts in. Hey, hey, I get it. Down the street, you don't have to say yes, ma'am, yes, sir. But in this family, this is what we do. This is who we are. In this family, what it does is it, it acknowledges that people do it different. And you also say, and that's okay. Johnny's parents, that's okay. That's, if that's okay for them, 
That's okay. No judgment. But in this family, here's what I've realized raising children. There is this super highway of things going on in your life, right? And if every time you blow through an intersection, right? And we do as, as parents, I'll blow through social media. My kids are on social media. I blew through that one. You know what I'm saying? Like I, there's things we blow through and we get to select sports that take us out of church on Sunday. And we stop and we say, you know what? This one, this in our family, we don't do select sports to take us out of church. That's our conviction. When you start making those decisions, that's what makes you distinctive. That's what makes you who you are. Not the things that you follow everybody on. It's when you stop at an intersection and say, hey, in this family, this is who we are. Then you're distinct. You're a peculiar people when you choose the thing that not everybody else is doing. And your children become the children you want them to become when you stop and say, hey, I know everybody else is doing it. I know every other business in town. Here's a big one. I know every other business in town moves furniture on Sundays. But in this family, we're closed on Sunday, which we are. When we made that decision, it was about $1,500 a month in revenue. Now it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that we give up not moving furniture. Would not change it because we said we're at an intersection. This is not what we do. That's what makes you distinctive. You want a differentiator? Find them by this statement. But in this family, this is who we are. Next slide. Oh, man, this is a tough one to learn. Um, 2018, we grew like crazy. We exploded. Our, our, our strategy was to grow. At the beginning of like 2017, what do we want to do? Let's grow. So we did. We got up to 14 branches. We're in like seven states. And we almost lost everything. In 18 months, 10 years of work, almost completely unraveled. We hired the wrong people. We ordered too many trucks. I mean, every mistake you can make. Every mistake. It was was awful. Here's the, here's the deal. Growth isn't a strategy. Growth is the result of a solid strategy. Growth is a result, not a strategy. Next slide, please. All right, last myth. How we doing? You okay? Okay. I know, Jersey Mike's running through you guys. We got you. The myth of good enough. The myth of good enough. Next slide, please. How many people like Bucky's? I love Bucky's so much. You know why? Because I'm like OCD and I go in there and I'm like, it's so clean. Everything's so organized. Is like my love language is actually sarcasm, but it's also cleanliness. Um, it's a rare, unique form of a love language. And I go to Bucky's and I feel it. I don't know if you guys know how Bucky's got started, but they did some focus groups from what I understand, what I've read, and I've talked to a few people, and they learned, they they started in uh, Rockport down near the coast, they learned two things from these focus groups. Men wanted cheap ice because they'd go fish, they didn't want to pay a lot for ice, and women wanted clean bathrooms, that's right. Here's... 
so I'm the same. It makes me so happy. Um, Bucky said this. Bucky said, you know what? what? You know what? Somebody else might sell Snickers for cheaper. Somebody else might sell gas for cheaper. But we're going to build an empire on clean bathrooms and cheap ice. And they built an empire. Built an empire. Because they said, we can't do everything. We can't do everything. But we're going to do a couple of things. So I adopted this whole thing under damages. Again, like I said, we roll TVs down driveways. This happens. It's a natural part of the industry. But what if we could identify the three things that gets damaged that cost the most to repair, makes the client the most frustrated, and takes the longest to, to figure out and fix? So we did. We went, we went and looked at the data. And we said, stainless steel refrigerators, televisions, and hardwood floors. Those are our three. If we can, here's what we're, here's the point I'm trying to make. We tell our guys, hey, we know you're take, you're taking a dining room chair in. You might clip it on the frame of the, of the door, knock the leg off. Stuff happens. We don't like it. We're tracking it. You can't do it a lot. You damage one of these three things, the CEO is going to know about it. The three things we never damage. We're, here's what we're saying. We know stuff's going to get damaged. We know things are going to happen. You're a moving company. But by golly, these three things, these things really hurt the client. You mess with the man's TV. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's, that's football on a, in a TV. You can't do it. So identifying a couple of things within your business, and because and you, you can't be like, well, we're going to be perfect at everything. Well, you're not going to grow. You can either grow or control. You can pick one. But what if you got to identify the, just a couple of things and say, hey, we know stuff's going to happen, but come hell or high water, we're going to win in these three things. We know that everybody, everybody's going to sell this, but this one thing that we sell, we're going to sell more of it and better than anybody else. ICE was a, was a lost leader for them. They didn't make any money on ICE. They were trying to drive in foot traffic. I think they succeeded. Right? All right. Next slide. Hate customer service. I believe this with every bit of my heart. Hate it. Here's why. Customer, customer service says this. You're paying me, so I'm going to serve you. Here's the word we use at Squirco. Just serve them. I want you to serve them as if no money's exchanging hands. Because when you serve out of your heart, you serve at a higher level. That's why when we're at a retirement facility and an elderly lady says, hey, will you sweep the floor? My guys are like, uh, we're here to move furniture. No, they say, yes, ma'am. They start sweeping. Why? Because they're there to serve. What does that look like? It's a million different things to a million different people. Whatever it looks like for that person, try to do it. Now, we know at the end of the move, they're going to give you a credit card. They're going to sign the document. And then you're going to, we all know that's going to happen. I want you to act as if it's not. I want you to act as if I'm here just to serve this person in whatever way that looks. That's serving. We've been called to do it, guys. And that's not just within the walls of this place. I think you have more opportunity five days a week at your business than you do one, two, maybe three times a week here. Next, next slide. Ooh, if I could get a tattoo. What you tolerate, you promote. You let that one guy come in late, you promote it 
everybody it's okay to be in late. You let that one person do this one thing differently, you're telling everybody they can do it. What you tolerate, you promote. That's good, guys. That's good. I did not come up with that. My business coach did. He's brilliant. I did come up with that. Who said take credit? There you go. I did. No, I, I didn't. If I got a tattoo, people would believe it. All right, next slide. If, if you take away anything today as far as how to run your business, take away this slide right here. I, I believe so strongly in this, and I know I'm slide happy. I've given you all a lot, but this, is, this one is one that I really is foundational for me. Sweat the small stuff. Reject the big, embrace the small. Here's my point. We fall into this lie. Well, our competitor down the street that's bigger than us, they have access to technology we don't have. Or they have more people than we do. Or they, blah, blah. No. Those are big things. And the difference between where you are and where you want want to be are not big things. You know what it is? It's a lot of little things. What time you get up in the morning is a little thing. How you spend that first hour, that's a little thing. Making your guys tuck their shirts in, say yes, ma'am, and clean their dashboard. Cleaning a dashboard, that's a little thing, guys. How did you grow away? I mean, there were movers that have been in, ta- in, in Austin since, uh, you know, when we started in 08, they've been in business for 20 or 30 years, and now we're the biggest in Austin, one of the biggest in Texas. Outside of just the grace of God, we embrace this right here. We found a lot of little things and say, we're going to embrace that. Because most people, when it comes to little things, they back away. They're like, I don't want to fool with that. And we say, let's lean into it. You do a conference, you do a conference, you bring all you, the expense of bringing everybody in to cast vision for the year for a moving company. This isn't some big sales. This isn't some big, most of these guys started out as movers. 90% of our managers started out as movers. And you're telling me you bring them, oh, we embrace it. Six lanyards and all. Let's go. Lean into that thing. Embrace it. Next slide. This is something we're not great at as humans in general. Finding the dead spots. I um, had an irrigation system installed a couple years ago. The unsung hero of landscaping is the offensive line. They get no credit, but this system does all the work. Why? Because it pops on in the middle of the night. I don't even know it happened. And my grass is green. Until it's not. Right? There's a dead spot. So on a Saturday, I flip the, the irrigation system on because I'm like, why is there a dead spot? And sure enough, that head pops up near that place and I'm watering the sidewalk. Right? And so I got to get down there. You got to get a little tool and you like adjust the head so then it's spraying onto the, onto the turf and everything's good. We're not good at this in life. Our ability to be introspective, self-evaluating, finding the dead spots, and then, this next part's even harder, adjusting towards it. And we're not good at that. We're not. Because you know why? We all think we're super. We all think we're like the bee's knees. Guys, when we failed in 2018 and almost lost everything, phew, pain. 
I, I would be so overwhelmed with anxiety. I'd go in my office, I'd lay on the ground, and I would breathe in and out and pray so I didn't have an anxiety attack because everything was spiraling. Talk about an opportunity to find the dead spots. What came of that time, that horrible time, was better infrastructure, better data, better metrics, our our scorecard, our KPIs. So now we're ready to go franchise in 37 states because of the worst period of our business. Because during the worst period of our business, we didn't just say, woe is me. We said, okay, guys, well, we've missed the mark on some things. We got to get this straight. It's not okay. During those times, it is not the time to shake your fist at the sky and say, why have you forgotten me? Say, Lord, give me wisdom. I need wisdom because we, this is not okay. Find the dead spots. Next, next slide, please. Okay, so I'm going to roll into this next piece. I'm going to be quick. We started with building a business. Are y'all with me still? Okay, first part was building a business. Now we're going to talk about how to build a kingdom because y'all are kingdom builders. Next slide. Second, build a kingdom. Okay, go past that. Here's the first. There's only three things here. You give away what God gave you. You give away what God gave you. And I'm about to give you three things underneath that that you give away. Guys, this is, this is so important. First thing you give away, your gifts and talents. God has given us all gifts and talents. He has handed them to you. And his expectation, in my opinion, my belief, is that you give them away. Do you have the ability to go and talk to other people about how you built a business? Do you get up at 6 o'clock and drive to Fort Worth to do it? All Eric had to do was say, hey, man, would you mind? I'm like, I'm there. I'll give it away. Nothing I have, you can have it all. What do you want? I'll give it to you. If this is a gift for me, I want to give it to you. That's not me patting myself on the back. That's me modeling, saying, guys, whatever your gift is, I don't care what it is. I'm going to tell you how to know. For some people who might not have been like, I don't have a gift. I'm going to tell you. Here's the best illustration I could come up with. You know those moving sidewalks at the airport? If you get on a moving sidewalk and someone isn't and they're walking parallel to you, and you're just coasting along way up ahead of them, and you're not, ex- you're not exerting any more effort than they are. That's a gift God gave you. When you're doing something in your life, and you're like, everybody else is striving for this, and it's just come to me easy, that's more than likely God saying, hey, guess what? I've allowed you to do that better than other people. And it doesn't take energy from you. It gives you energy. Those are the indicators of God's gifts. Give them away. Second thing you give away, your stuff. Give it away. So, specifically, we all know, pay your tithe. Yes, 100% agree. You know what God gave my business? Strong backs and big trucks. You know what we give away? Strong backs and big trucks. Victims of domestic violence. We got you. Elderly widow will move you. Every year, there's a foster home my wife is on the board of. They need a bunch of stuff moved from a warehouse to the other. For two days, the owners and all the assistant managers come in. We have shirts that say Square Cow Serving on the back. For two days, we sweat alongside each other, serving this foster home. Why? Because that's what God gave us, so that's what we're giving away. Give away the thing he gave you. It just happens to be big trucks and strong backs for us. For you, it's 
probably something different. If it's the same as me, that's weird. Let's talk after. The third thing you give away, and here's one that I think is the most counterintuitive for people, information. You're, you learn something in your business, and here's your, your initial reaction, if you're like me, to hoard it. It's proprietary. This is mine. This is how we built it. This is mine. No, 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 no. This is, this is mine. You, you can't know how we built our business. God built that business, and you give it away. Everything I'm sharing today is God, God gave it to me. I have no business hoarding it. I have every opportunity to come here and say, hey, guys, this is how we did it. And if it works for you, God bless you. I want you to have it. It's not mine. So you give away your gifts and talents. You give away your stuff. And you give away the information that helped you get to where you are. Give it away because it's not yours. Second. Oh, man. This is a guy. That's a water bottle in case anybody's wondering. I know what y'all are thinking. Um, yeah, I think he had been on a move for 24 hours. I'm not kidding. And he passed out uh, on top of a bunch of boxes. Have faith in God's sovereignty. My best illustration for faith, um, I did come up with this, and you're going to know it because it's so bad. Best, you know, it's believing in things you cannot see. My best illustration are my abs. You know, like I've never seen them but I believe they're there, you know? (laughs) Um, Here's the point. Have faith that God's in control. In 2007, before I started this company, I got fired from working. I was at a church, full-time ministry. I got fired. Not like, hey, we're cutting back. Like, here's a box. Get your stuff and get out. My wife was pregnant, eight months pregnant with our second. And here's the deal. As much as I try to do the pity party thing, I deserved it. I, did, I wasn't doing a good job. I wasn't gifted at it. I'm a for-profit guy. I'm not a non-profit guy. Just telling you, that's the way God wired me. And I don't feel one bit bad about it. I love the people that are running the churches. That's not my role. That's not my role. I'm a for-profit guy. And um, I think about 2018, when we almost lost everything, and I get to that place where I want to be David in Psalm 13 and shake my fist at the sky and say, God, have you forgotten us? What is the deal? When I'm moving furniture for three years with a college degree and I'm still sweating my life out, 140 degrees in the back of a truck in the middle of August. I'm going to tell you right now. Guys, I don't cry. My wife doesn't think I have a soul. But there was one moment, like, two, three years into the business where we, it was like, we were eight o'clock at night. We had to go start another move. And we've been doing this like a couple weeks in a row. And I was on the phone and it started raining. Okay. So we're on a move. It's raining. And I'm on the phone with my business partner. He's like, Hey, we got this last move. We got to go move the Johnson's. It's a third floor uh, apartment to a third floor apartment. And I'm like, all right, bro. I'm, that's cool. Uh, <clears throat> it's good, man. Uh, all right, I'll go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Y'all, it's going to be hard at times. And you're going to want, you're going to want to second guess God. And, and these are the times where God's expecting us to say, hey, 
Where's your faith at? That I'm in control. That I put you at that third floor apartment. And that moved for three years. You know, Joseph was in prison for 12 years hanging with the cupbearer, you know. 12 years. And it said God was with him. Really? It's that faith that he is in control, even when things are at their worst. Next slide. Last thing. I, had, I heard two preachers preach on this two or three weeks ago. I'm like, one's stealing from the other, and I'm stealing from both of them. ROI, return on investment. If I invest $1,000 and you give me $1,200 back, I had a $200 return, 20% ROI. You know what I've realized, I think the more I run these businesses and the more that I seek after God, God is into E-R-O-I, eternal return on investment. 2016, we bought a bus. Both my sisters have five kids each. They're trying to populate the earth. I have three kids, and I'm not trying to win that race. And what does a big family that grew up in the church do when the family grows? They buy a bus. And um, we went everywhere on this bus. We'd go, sometimes we just pick up all the, all the kids. There's 13 grandkids. You know, there's, there's eight adults between me and my sisters, their husbands, my wife. And uh, we just go to dinner. We just like go to Cracker Barrel, you know, so the kids can sit in a rocking chair. Um, sometimes, one time we just went and picked everybody up. We went and played tennis because my mom always loved to play tennis. Um, one time we, we drove the bus all the way to Colorado. We went skiing. And on the way back from Colorado, we busted, we blew a tire, you know? <laughs> Crazy story. I look back, okay? So we're in this bus, and we're driving down, and we weren't safe at all. We're the least safe family. I look back at one time. I've got, like, four girls doing, like, a TikTok dance. I got guys doing tackling drills. While we're driving, like 70, going down the road, like this is all happening. You know, kids got nerds and lollipops. They're just throwing them all around. And so we blow a tire, and we pull off on the side, and there's a tire place in um, Lubbock that we go to. And they're like, we call them. They're like, well, we can help you. So we, we limp to this tire place in Lubbock, and they close at noon because it's Saturday. And they're like, it's like 11. And they're like, we think we can help you all. So we, we bring in 13 kids into their, their little showroom, okay? And then all of us, and then, and then my brother-in-law, Jeremy, goes and gets a snack for everybody. He gets powdered donuts, okay? There's white marks on every tire. I could, I could see the guy who owns the tire shop. He's like, all right, we got to get these people out of here. He's like knocking on the window. He's like, well, you got to get that tire off of that, you know? And the guy's, it was nuts. It was nuts. We'd had the bus for two years, and a friend of mine tells me the story about a ministry in Round Rock, right outside of Austin, called Boys to Men of God. And I felt like God told me, give your bus to them. Like, I don't know anything about these people. I go to my business partner, my dad and my brother-in-law, and I said, hey, I feel like this is this is so important about who you go into business with. I said, I think God's telling us to get, 
And they said, let's go. Let's go figure it out. Contact the guy who runs it. We go sit down at a restaurant two days later. We're sitting there with a guy named Robert. And he says, I didn't grow up with a dad. I was in the foster system. And my ministry are to boys who don't have dads. And he said, I cook for them. And we watch football. And I just, I, my heart goes out to them. And my dad goes, what's your biggest need right now? He goes, we were, for two years we've been paying for transportation. I want to take them to baseball games. I want to take them camping. And we slide the keys to him. So wait, are you telling me that God got you fired from a church in 2007, sent you to Austin, Texas in 2008 to start a business you had no experience in, lost 40 pounds, moved furniture for three years, went through hell and back, all so you would buy a bus for a huge family and give it away? That's exactly what I'm telling you. He is not a short-term thinker. He knew in 2007 that that ministry was going to be the bus. Obviously, that's not the only thing that we're doing. It's not the only thing we're working on. He is a long-term thinking God. That's who we serve. And His return on investment is eternity. But wait, you've never even met those kids. That's not my job. My job isn't to meet them. It's not to minister to them. My job is to hand them the keys to a 24-passenger shuttle bus with one new tire. <laughs> Next slide. This is it. We're going to end it right here. Those three things are what I feel like we got to do to build the kingdom. And in the end, guys, we got to define the end game. What are you after? This is all fleeting you know, and I think nothing makes you more reflective than losing somebody and losing my mom who was an absolute beast with faith. The lady, I mean, she lived it. These two know better than anybody. What she helped us do, I think, as her kids is to understand things like legacy. It talks a lot in the Old Testament about descendants and legacy. I don't think we're great today understanding and defining the end and then working backwards to today. Because how you build your business and how you do your work should be defined by the end, not the current. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity. I pray that maybe just, even if it's one thing or one person, a seed was planted today a seed that you will, because you're a long-term planning and thinking God, one day we'll reap a harvest that we won't know until the other side of heaven. In your name we pray. Amen. Did y'all enjoy this? Very practical today. And we're, this is a business meeting. This isn't church even though we're all Christians. And so I, I think some of the uh, practical things that we haven't gotten in any of the other sessions, I hope it helped you take some of these things back with you. Uh, if everybody will, will stand.
one of the things uh, Wade, Wade and I go way back and um, so I'm very uh, thrilled at the success that he's had and uh, he's been like a you know his, his mom and dad were like like I said mom and dad's to us and so he's like a distant brother I'm so glad we got to reconnect and um, but I you know I, I know maybe through some things that he's said he hasn't said much but even by the spirit you can see that he is very gifted by the way he presented this today and um, I believe it's in his heart to do this more often. And I believe he would help a lot of people. And uh, this ministry founded by Dr. Savell is a ministry that has great favor on it. It's not that other people don't have favor or anything like that, but this ministry walks in it. Y'all, y'all, are y'all with me? Is that right? And so what I'd like for us to do today is he's come and invested in us, like he said, got up at 6 a.m. for, for the probably the worst introduction he will ever have. <laughs> but I would like for us to invest in him now through our faith and through our prayer that the favor that's on this ministry that this ministry walks in will come on him, not that he's not already experienced it, but to take him to another level like Pastor Justin talked about today. Can you agree with me for that, for him? So stretch your hands out toward him today. Father, we just, Lord, lift up way to you. Lord, we thank you for the gift that he is, Lord, uh, to business people and to the body of Christ. Lord, this is a this is a message that needs to be told so that people can understand that it's not sitting in the lazy boy using their faith, Father, but it's it's your your giftings and talents and abilities and and work ethic that you've put inside people. And Father, we just believe for the right doors to open for him, Lord. Opportunities, Lord, that the blessing that he's walking in, Father, and the favor to give him opportunities, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you put him before great men. Lord, that people will come to know you through him, through the, through the seed that he sows, Lord, e- even in, uh, through his humor. And, Father, we just thank you for that, Lord, that, that you open up uh, these doors for him in a greater way on a new level, Father. And, Lord, that you add to it your anointing in a greater way. And, Father, the, the gifts that you've already put in, and we believe with him today. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Well, give him a good hand today. Make sure you say hi to four or five people before you leave. And and also, uh, if you see someone that you don't know their name, uh, we have the name tags. uh, And just introduce yourself to, to at least three people that you don't know. So do that before you leave. God bless you. We love you. See you next time.